everybody, and welcome to Conversations Over Coffee with Dee and Tony. Glad you could be with us today to have another enlightening conversation about something that fascinates us. May not fascinate you, you might not even care, but it's something that fascinates us, and that is the um, the sense of motion against, uh, against your friend and mine, Mr. Morrison. <laughs> Would be a good place to start. I it guess. would be a good, yeah. I guess in a way it was it was unprecedented for that to happen. Um, so it's happened. He has been censured for taking on all those extra ministries. As I understand it, not much else happens. He just gets ticked off in yeah, in, in Parliament. Told, gets told off, and that's about it. And then from that point on, no one gives a shit, and no one will care whether he's ever sitting on the back bench again. Well, I, he did respond, and I listened only because it was on while I was getting adjusted to what was going on, and I had to turn him off fairly quickly because I, you know, if I never hear or see that man again, I won't be unhappy. I do remember part of the conversation about his response was his lack of responsibility. So he still doesn't see that he's done anything wrong. He hasn't undermined democracy. He hasn't undermined any conventions. So, and there was a weird comment that he made that if people had asked him about it, that he would have told them, like, would we know? Him, if journalists had asked him about it, he would have uh, owned up, apparently, to what he had done. But because no journalist asked, well, I don't know whether that's completely true. I think there is a recording somewhere of someone asking about the ministries and him choosing not to choosing to say well if i knew something about it i would tell you oh so he lied even in that oh, yeah. he's, well he lied all the way along has not he really he, he has he's lied and and i think it's laura tingle of the abc who said he's just continued in a tradition of blaming everybody so in effect he was blaming the journalists or the media for not asking him any questions so that he would have been able to say what was going on. Many journalists, there might have been some journalists in the know, and clearly there were because there was a book and that's where it all came out, but many journalists wouldn't have even thought to ask that question. Well, no one expects the Prime Minister to be that stupid to start with, and, you know, so I guess the expectation was that it wasn't, that it just wouldn't wouldn't happen, but it did happen, and uh, it did, I think the Labor Party mounted a good argument in terms of you know, that uh, what does this mean for us as a as a people? You know, what does it mean in relation to us not knowing who our ministers are? Um, who's making the decisions at the end of the day? We didn't know. Morrison was there attempting to make decisions for other people in some occasions, particularly with regard to the pit mining thing. <coughs> and uh, at the end, I guess, he thought he could influence... He took over portfolios, which over which clearly he wanted to influence some of the some of the outcomes. So he wanted to be able to say that he manipulated or controlled those ministries. And uh, but if, but the silly thing was, I don't think he told some of the ministers either. I think that's the point, and no. I think that it was unprecedented times, no doubt about that. And if he had come out and said this is what he's done, most of us might have gone, oh, well, that seems reasonable, or that's okay, or whatever. Well, but we it would was have, a secret. We would have, yeah. <laughs> I don't think anybody would have, have accepted it as or being reasonable. Or we wouldn't have cared or we would have asked questions. Uh, you know, it would have been probed more. I guess my point is the secrecy around the whole thing and then now choosing to blame journalists or whoever for that 
secrecy. No one to know who was there in the swearing-in process with the Governor General. Is there supposed to be somebody else? Well, Can't it just be the two of them? <laughs> well, I think. Well, I don't. Well, actually, I don't know. But you know, it's, there, there must have been some other people around him that must have been <coughs> known. The Prime Minister's department must have known what was happening, I guess. And no one bothered to speak up because I guess that's the public service. You don't talk about those sorts of things. Or you risk losing your job. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, that was a that was a mess. But I think uh, I think the Labor Party did the right thing by at least censoring him, because um, firstly, no other prime minister has done anything as stupid as that, and uh, secondly, it needed to be brought out to the so the public could be aware as to what was happening. And as a result of that, they're passing legislation that will fill that loop, that hole, so that it could never happen again. So, Which is a good thing. I'm happy that they censured as well. Uh, it doesn't matter that there's nothing else going to happen. I don't know. As I understand it, he didn't appear before the Virginia Bell Inquiry at all. He appeared via a lawyer, so he wasn't... Um, he said he Straight was. Up he said he either. was happy to attend at one point, and then his, and never did. And his lawyers <laughs> did. So another lie, I guess, for Morrison. But at this I guess point, the good thing is, who's going to hire him? Nobody. He has zero credibility, surely. Yeah. Broadly, certainly in my eyes, but more broadly than us, he would surely have zero credibility now. So what's his chances of getting another job? I guess he's got one, and until. His electorate decide to turf him out. Well, until he re- decides to retire, but um, he he occupies a vacant space basically <laughs> in the in the on the on the other side of the benches at the moment, and he's he's, he's not often there. I don't know what he's doing with his spare time. Um, Look but for, looking for looking jobs, for jobs probably. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think he wants to resign because that would mean there'll be a by-election for his seat of Cook, and whether or not. That I don't even know whether it's a contested seat in terms of Labor, Liberal or the Greens uh, or the uh, Teals. But uh, it will create it will create an issue, I guess, for Liberal Party, which they just don't want at this particular so point they're gonna in time. Be, so they're going to be happy just to let that sit. I guess there is some discussion around the place that perhaps he'll go into a pastoral role with the church since... Oh, good for and him. And maybe, and maybe that's kind of the best place for him. Well, I, I, I don't know. I think even God would reject him at this particular point in time. So I don't you think don't he think has, he thinks he's God? Well, he, well, of course, that's another issue. Yes, he probably does a demigod in a way. But uh, you know, I don't know what I don't know what I don't know what opportunities there are within the church to take on Pastor Roland, and who's going to sit down and listen to him, well, and who's going to believe me. him? even when he talks about the Bible and God given he lies so often. <laughs> so, you know, they'll probably discredit, well, he may discredit the Bible as a result of being a pastor. I don't know. So be it. Morrison's going to do what Morrison does and he'll do it without any sense of regret. And that, I mean, the disappointing thing about his speech was he made it about all the stuff that he did during COVID, which in itself is questionable. And then, because uh, the best thing he did with COVID really was convene the cabinet, but that meant that he was working with the state, so he can't claim credit for everything because most of that was the state responsibility anyway. The individual states took responsibility. Yeah, for yeah. Much, for you know, Actually, for the, many idea, the idea of a national cabinet, I thought, well, was a great it was idea. a fantastic idea. Yeah, so credit where credit's due, but uh, but he know, can't was, really take. Well, who knows whether it was his idea, maybe someone else, maybe uh, someone from the States or the State Premier suggested it to him and he thought, oh, good idea, we'll do that and I'll take the credit for it anyway. (laughs) 
And I won't take any blame if it all goes belly up. No, no, of course he's not going to do that. But uh, but he did. Do, there were some major stuff ups in relation to. There were. Have, I think they're going to have an inquiry into COVID anyway and the handling of the COVID crisis. Um, so we'll see what that produces. And we would have been willing to cut quite a bit of slack, given that's the first time the country's been through something like this since the you know since the beginning of the 20th century, and that's fair enough. We, but there were some clear stuff-ups as well. Yeah, yeah, but I guess it's about us learning from those those stuff-ups so that we won't make them for the next pandemic. And they say there will be another one at You know some how point, every so. year the dictionaries say, well, what's the word of the year? And I can't, I think it was Sally McManus who stroll, who used the term the stroll out for the vaccine rollout. And that's come up as an option for a, a new word of the year, the, the stroll out. Because it was so slow. Because it was so slow. Yeah, yeah. So there's that. And there's also, I was going to do a, a I'm appalled at the way the government and uh, I'm appalled at the way, not the government, just alone, but I'm appalled at the way Parliament behaves. And uh, I'm going to do a video which is going to be a mashup of all the times that there are interjections and that there are objections and that they behave like, I'm going to call it the kindergarten Parliament because they act so badly that it's an embarrassment to think that these are the people that are representing us. And, uh, and it, I'm a bit disappointed in Albo because he decided that he was going to make the parliament more, um, I don't know, friendly. Respectful. Get, respectful, uh, transparent, whatever. And uh, it, is, it is not a respectful place. You know, they had that inquiry, of course, during the year into parliamentary behaviour and bullying and so forth within parliament itself. And... Uh, and yet they still behave badly towards each other. So what example are they, what example do you think they're sending? Or, um, yeah, what example are they Would you want your providing? classroom of students doing a civics class looking in on parliament, <laughs> on question time? And it, it bothers me because I'm, I'm, I'm very perplexed. I can't imagine any classroom proceeding in that way and the children not being sent home or sent to detention or suspended if their behaviour was like that. Mm. So if it's not okay in a classroom of children, why is it okay with paid paid professionals? I'm struggling over that word, professionals, because they don't look very professional. They don't accord to any definition that I might have of professional behaviour. No, none at all. In fact, if you had a boardroom, I think, that behaved that badly, you'd sort of get rid of those board members who were behaving that badly. I'd, I'd hate to think that um, you know, other aspects of our community behave in the same way as politicians tend to when they're questioning each other. I mean, they, they Maybe yell, they do, scream, because I'm not shout. at that level. They, uh, they're yelling over the top of other people. You know, and the... Um, and the, the speaker, Mr. Dick, which is a very unfortunate we might name. just, yes, he, skip uh, that. Yeah, yeah. What's he, his first name? Andrew, I think. A. Dick. So, oh. <laughs> I, I can't remember, actually. But, uh, you know, he, he does his best. And I've seen other speakers in the past struggle with it as well, trying to keep them in order. And it's a bit like herding, sh- herding cows. Herding, cow, herding cats. Herding cats. <laughs> yeah, it's just a, it's a real struggle. But... 
I think he should be tougher. He certainly has it within his powers to say, you know, you're going to speak up one more time, you're out of here, so and kick them out. I think if he did that, though, there wouldn't be anybody sitting on the cross bench, <laughs> on the um, opposition side at all because they're so rowdy and boisterous and um, it's just a mess. And I think it's so sad. And occasionally they have people from other countries. There was a delegation from Vietnam, I think, there during the week. And I often wonder what they think of watching these dudes yell and scream and shout at each other and try and put each other down, you know? It must be, it's kind of humiliating. In a, in a For us, that, that we'd feel humiliated to be viewed by that. Well, well certainly. We're <laughs> well, we're talking about it. They go overseas and represent us in other meetings and they do not behave like that. No, they wouldn't think of They wouldn't think like of that. behaving like that. You're not going to yell at she or anybody else, are you? <laughs> or any other, and sort of... In the same sort of manner that they do, it's offensive. Um, but it seems to be okay in Parliament. I was thinking of this, we were talking about earlier, about the fact that in the United States they don't have a question time. They don't have that sort of opportunity to be able to confront each other in the way they do in the Westminster system. And uh, as a result of that, they spend most of the time, you know, pouring shit on each other outside through the media and, and, and other means. And we don't tend to do that as much, funnily enough. I don't think we tend to have a go at each other in, through the media as do as they do in the United States. But there again, most of the people in the United States kind of <laughs> those people with real big issues are those right wing crazies and lunatics. So I mean, we have a few of them. You know, and they do seem to be in a minority, thankfully, and they don't seem to have any huge influence here. No, they're just a curiosity. <laughs> well, they're. They're a curiosity to me. I've actually decided to exit from the the Republican and the Democrat bubble that I often seem to emerge myself. You've been you there be for a long time. Well, I'm tired of it. I'm just tired it of it. It goes on and on and on, doesn't it? Well, it doesn't seem to shift. it's the same crap over and over again. And I was, I must confess, though, I was watching a report that I couldn't, couldn't help myself from watching, and that was... Donald Trump wants to get rid of the Constitution in the United States so that he won't be held accountable for what happened <laughs> January the 6th. But they uh, love but their Constitution, so he's got Buckley's. Well, I mean, that would never happen. <laughs> it, just, it would never happen. But it's basically saying, I want to turn this state into, I want to turn the country into an autocracy, and I want to run. He wants to dispense with so that he could be reappointed as the, as the president of the US. So, you know, it's that sort of craziness that I just, I just can't. I can't handle it. I think it's just... I think they're crazy. Not all... No. I'll, I'll qualify it's that. clearly not all of them. Not all of them. And there are a lot of rational people there, particularly on the Democratic side. But even there's some crazy people with the Democrats as well. But on the whole, you know, the, the look that that has in terms of the way we would view that from another country is appalling. Oh, it is appalling. They just look like a laughing stock and they have ever since that Trump was installed as president. Yeah. They do not command the respect that they once did. Although I guess it's improved a bit with Biden. He's turned out to be a much much better president than I imagined. Mm, I think he's surprised a lot of people, actually, um, because he's got a lot done, you know, given the mix of uh, Congress and so forth. And potentially we'll get a lot done even in the the new Congress, which will be uh, the House of Assembly will be held by the Republicans, so it'll still get it'll still get a lot done. And it's it's this we don't seem to have it here, I don't know what you think, but we don't have the same 
uh, throng the power that they seem to have in the US. It's you know, like in the US, <coughs> my my interpretation of it, given that I spend a lot of time in that bubble, is that they um, they're, thr- they're they're striving for as much power as they can without doing anything that's actually legitimate for for the people. So they're not working to pass legislation or to make lives better for anybody else. These are the Republicans I'm talking about. They're just interested in throwing as much mud as they can and seeing what sticks and having people like Herschel Walker, the Republicans, uh, to um, endorsing people for politics who just aren't appropriate. I mean, here in Australia, we had a... um, wasn't there a liberal bloke that was kicked out of the Liberal Party that someone disagreed with? Um, must have been, it must have been a candidate, I think, in New South Wales. And the uh, Liberal Party was just so extreme and so right, right wing that even the Liberal Party said, you're not good enough for us. And we had ex- a couple of examples in Victoria recently where they wanted to disendorse somebody, but it was too late or whatever. But yeah. they had come out as extremely extreme. Yeah, so we don't have a tolerance, and the political parties don't have a tolerance for those people that are on the extreme right. Um, and I think that's a good thing for our politics. But I'm always a little bit wary that the, the, the type of politics that we see in the US will filter through to us at some particular point where it becomes totally about power and how I can get that power and you know I'll burn everything down in the meantime just to get there and not focus on the government and what the government's supposed to do and I think the thing that we've seen with the Albanese government is that in a very short period of time basically they've been able to do most of what it is that they said they were going to do which is about looking after us and making so, so the, the sense of representation, I guess, that we see in Australian politics is far more representative of the people than what you see in American politics, which is, I think, rather sad. Well, that's interesting because I would say that you know, you know, we've talked about the pandemic, but I would have said that Morrison was mostly just interested in being prime minister and not doing anything for the country unless he was forced into it. Yeah, but look what happened. He and got look booted what out. happened. And he got booted out in and the end. And there's a lesson, and there's a strong lesson in that. But, but, but Biden's there now, so are you saying that there hasn't been a shift in American politics towards doing well, things that has, are in the best interests of the majority of people? I think a lot has got done since Biden has been there because he's obviously, and everybody's has said this, he's very good at negotiating positions and negotiating with the Republicans um, because basically he's a very respected politician and I guess he knows how to work the system. Uh, and he's been ar- around a long time too, as has Albanese. Yeah. Biden for longer. But but they're still long-term politicians, so they know their way around. They're used to negotiating. Uh-huh. And I do get the feeling that Labor has the best interests of the country at heart, as you said. And but I, th- I think that about Biden too. Yeah, and they've got a lot. And uh, in a very short period of time, they've got a lot done. I'll argue that... Someone said on Insiders today they've got more done than they did since Tony Abbott, which wasn't all that long ago. And he was bad. <laughs> he was, well, now he was, he was he an was embarrassment. But, <coughs> so I, I, I hold a lot of hope for Australian politics, actually, but I'm fearful that... Yeah, and I just noticed that you know, like people like One Nation seems to be... Their vote seems to be declining 
somewhat. We're seeing a lift in the green votes and the till votes. Um, so we're seeing, as I think I said in our last podcast, that there's a movement now further towards the, the left than there has been in the past. And uh, people, and that's resonating with people. They're the sort of politicians that, that we want. And we want grassroots politicians who work for the community as opposed to politicians who are working for themselves. I think that's, and I think that's good. So you sound hopeful as the parliamentary year has come to an end. I'm hopeful since we've got the Labor Party in power. And well, I mean, if it was, if it was a Liberal Party, I must confess, if it was even whatever other, other party it is, which has to be Liberal National Party, I guess, where uh, if they're able to produce the types of outcomes that the uh, Labor Party have produced, then I'd see that as a good thing. It doesn't matter who it is, really providing they've been able to produce the goods. And the Labor Party, in my view, on the whole, have. And we've got, and it's only the first six months, who knows what's going to happen in the next 12. Perhaps they'll become a bit more reformist and put up the rates for most of the benefits. What rates? For the unemployment rates. I don't know what they're all called these days. The new start rate, the unemployment rate, the job start rate, whatever whatever name it is. and I guess listening to Bill Shorten recently, I would have listened to him on Q&A recently. NDIS. And the NDIS, mm. that sounds sounds promising. It sounds like we do need to turn around the conversation and stop talking about it as a burden. And because, you know, that's not good for people using the NDIS, but also make sure that people aren't rorting the system. Yeah. And there will be plenty of those because there usually are. Yeah, it's interesting how Bill Shorten, who was once the leader of the opposition or the Labor Party, his, his light seems to be shining. I think so under too. His new job. So it was know, a good spot for him. Yeah, yeah, and he seems to be passionate about it and he's concerned about um, what sort of services are being provided and how they're being provided. And particularly trying to sell the notion, I guess, that NDIS. It's not about a deficit system. It's about a system that's taking care of people so they become more functional so that they're not as big a cost on a community as they would be without the NDIS. And that money goes back into the economy anyway, whatever money is spent yeah. goes yeah, out. It goes does. Back. So, And there is a return on money. Yeah. There was an economist, I think, on uh, Q&A last week who actually highlighted that point that, uh, that there is a cost-benefit of the NDIS, which is, you know, good to hear. And it's a story not often told because there seems to be so much negativity about, you know, people that are on disabilities. Like, for some reason, we should just ignore them, make out they don't exist because they're a problem. Yeah, which is what we've done in the past or lock them up in institutions and, mm. and things like that. So so that that looks good, looks promising at least it does. at it the does. moment. I guess a couple of other points to make regarding women... One is the sad story about Brittany Higgins Mm. and her allegation of being raped in Parliament House. And the the trial was delayed initially because a journalist who should have known better spoke out and then it needed to be delayed. So it was delayed in the first place. So a trial date was set, then it was delayed, then it went ahead and then a juror behaved extremely badly by bringing in or research research paper that they shouldn't have been doing. And now, as I understand it, the 
charges have been dropped against Bruce Lehman because of Brittany Higgins' ill health. So that seems like a, that's a very sad indictment on the whole system. Mm. And we know that about women hardly ever bothering with charge with making an allegation of sexual assault even though they're regularly sexually assaulted and i don't think we know the full story around all of that there's some information apparently uh the police have got um about a statement that um that britney higgins had made that was supposed to be confidential and it was sent to her to lehman's previous legal team so um, some information has been disclosed that shouldn't have been disclosed. Uh, and I think it's a little bit more involved than simply Brittany being unwell. I'm not going to dis discount the fact that she's been under a lot of pressure as a result of all of this. But I think there's another story to be told about what, what has happened. And, uh, you know, the reality is the man's innocent until proven guilty. He will never have a chance either to prove that he was innocent either. That's true too. So the, you know, if the mud sticks, it sticks. And you'll have to learn to live with that. His name is extremely public now, so I don't know who would employ him or if he's got a job at all. Um, could, he and, could he and Scott Morrison go and set up in business I together? Could. I don't know what they call their business. Um, that's a good Ray call Preston Shysters. Liars Incorporated. <laughs> Um, but you know, there again, we don't know. The, well, we don't know the full extent of um, to what extent. I mean, it's, it's look. The issue is, it's never been proven. He hasn't been proven guilty, and we need to accept that Absolutely. as well, because <coughs> uh, that's the way the system works. But there'll be lots of trolls and other people, uh, as they were with. Um, I don't know. I don't know how much trolling there was done against Bruce Lehman, but I know there was a fair bit done against Britney. Um, and even this week, if you looked at any of the Twitter comments, and I didn't spend a lot of time on it because it's fairly... Oh, you didn't? You spent a lot of time on, on Twitter? Comments, not on the oh. comments, not on looking at the comments, because it's fairly horrendous, because people do trot out the old tropes of, you know, women can't make decisions because they're too emotional, and mm. Brittany Higgins, she can, for the rest of her life, play the victim card, whereas poor old Bruce Lehman, his reputation is now completely trashed. So, the, and, and people just... And it, it's really interesting that people, I, I, I guess I decided that I believed Brittany Higgins anyway, a long time ago, and I was very angry about the whole thing when it when it all came out. But some people decide categorically that she's a liar. How do they make that assumption? Exactly. So, because she's a woman? Um, well, I don't, I, think, I don't think there's be a woman on the face of this earth who would feel comfortable with declaring that they have been raped. And no woman would No, because you're going to get attacked. Yeah, that's right. I mean, and that's why 99% of the cases don't get brought forward. And, our and legal the ones system, they do, there's very few that actually be, result in convictions anyway. And you know, like, the, the defence attorneys apparently had a massive, massive go at Brittany. And, uh, and I think part of her reason for not going through with it again would be that she just didn't want that sense of humiliation. And it was interesting that she did need to, and I suppose she's bringing the allegations, so maybe that's fair enough. But as I understand it, she needed to be speaking court, whereas he never needed to no. say it. He didn't need to say a thing. 
No, I don't know whether he was or not, though, whether he actually gave... He didn't. Uh, right, so, yeah, but but Ridley did, and then she was ripped apart by the defence attorneys, which I think is so cruel. Yeah. You know, you've got to, you know, it's like if someone suffered from a form of abuse, and we see it in domestic violence cases, where the attacks made towards women are... Uh, not all that dissimilar from the oh. sorts of attacks they've experienced from the men in their lives. and uh, But don't you think that's just a hangover from the patriarchy or the patriarchy continuing anyway, that women are going to end up worst off in most situations? Yeah, I, I wonder whether it would be different if there was a woman lawyer defending than it would be if there was a man doing it. But I, th- I think actually we need to change... We need to change that system yes. somehow so that it isn't as attacking and adversarial as it is. And that we need to change the legal system in such a way that a person's story can be heard without the interrogation that tends to happen in court. And there certainly must be a better way of a woman telling that story. You know, like a woman could simply tell her story and then she could have a series of questions that could be placed before her in writing to which she would respond so that she's not being yelled at or screamed at or corrected or told you're lying or whatever it is that they do. These defence attorneys just, I think they're the worst. I mean, they're, they're Oh, just, they learnt from Question Time, do you think? Oh, I think they might have. I think they might or have the attempted. other way around. Yeah, or maybe they're budding politicians so they can <laughs> carry on with they're that practicing. crap. <laughs> yeah, so... Well, maybe, 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 maybe something good will come out of this, but there is certainly a lot of discussion about how bad the system is for women. For victims, and so perhaps, maybe, maybe something will change as a result of that. Well, I hope so. Because I'm a lot not going to hold my breath, though. Well, you know, the situation's been, it's been around for a long, long time, hasn't it? And uh, nothing seems to have changed in terms of. I think you know, around domestic violence, you can now have cases where um, the male, who's often the perpetrator, will be in another room, and it's about you know. And then I had a client not long ago. Well, I've still got that client, actually. And she was telling me that just hearing his voice mm. was upsetting to her, mm. you know, and that uh, it triggered a lot of the abuse that she received when she was with him. So um, there must be... I think there's got to be... With, with, with technology, there must be different ways and better ways of doing it than the way we do it right now. That's for sure. Now, that's not a segue into anything, but the voice... Oh, that's not a segue into it. <laughs> well, I thought we could talk just briefly before we finish about uh, the voice and how the National Party have decided they're not going to have a voice within the voice um, and they're backing away from that and uh, what it all means to us as Australians to be able to uh, give formal recognition to Indigenous people, First Nations people, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders. Now, what do you think? Well, I am for the voice. You know, that's unqualified for me. That's a vote yes without a second thought on that. Well, the nation can rest now knowing <laughs> that you're... That <laughs> well, I voted yes for a republic back in whenever that was, and that didn't work out very well. Uh, so, so for me, it's an unqualified yes, and I would be surprised... Again, I guess there's a couple of comments. You know, the National Party is going to do what the National Party do, which is not very much from what I can see. And so I guess in a way I'm not 
surprised when they do silly things. I used to regard that as a silly thing to do. And they have an Aboriginal member whose name I can't remember uh, who, who stood up you know, with a whole group of them. You know, they're only a small group, really, but uh, in the parliamentary square there and, you know, said that they're not going to um, support it. And... Uh, and it raised the issue about... Sorry, not going to support the voice or the not voice. going to support the Nationals' position? Not going to support... No, she was, it's she was it's not going to... She's not going to she was supporting the National position, that was the thing. Oh, okay, okay. But, um, and Are you talking about Jacinta Price? No, no, no Jacinta okay. Price is with the Greens, isn't she? I don't think so. Is she, who's she with? Is she... I thought she was LNP. Someone can like. correct us on all of that. Yeah, absolutely. No, no, no. But She's definitely at the right end of the spectrum. She's not a Greens. But um, wherever she might be, and if we had time to stand, I'd Google that right now <laughs> and have a look. But we won't. Um, but it did raise an issue around uh, for Linda Burney about you know the conjecture that sits within the Indigenous community itself. Yes, and not everybody agrees with it within the Indigenous community, from what I can see. There's there's Jacinta Price, for example. She's a, a loud voice saying, no, she doesn't support it. But there are other quieter voices saying they don't support it either. So and I think it always pays to remember that the Aboriginal community are not homogenous yeah, group. Yeah, they're very diverse And I think that's, that's really important. But as I understand it, the Nationals, the Little Proud said that the Nationals aren't going to support it, but the National leader... In Western Australia, said, "Well, yes, I am," and there have been some other nationals who've said, "Well, I disagree." What what Little Proud said? Well, apparently they're going to take. Well, the inference is that they're going to take time out to consider what is presented uh, officially around the construction of the voice and how that will be represented in Parliament. But when I watched Linda Burney today on. Insiders, she was quite explicit about what that would look like, actually, and who it would. It's 24 members, apparently, according to the report that came out last year, um, and that it would be representative right across uh, the country, not just city people, but uh, in the country areas and remote areas will be represented, and young people. Would and it would have gender parity. Yeah, oh, gender that's parity. probably why the nationals don't like her. Oh, too many men. <laughs> too, no, too many not, women. Too many women. Yeah, exactly. So, um, and and that uh, the objection is that it isn't all that clear at the moment, and it probably won't be clear until such time as 